Um, I was gonna come in and start it with when I say weak ass, you say bitch, weak ass, bitch. <laughs> That's how we started episode 90. It just made me laugh because I thought of it when I was peeing and I was like, oh, I wanna watch it again. That's legit how we started episode 90. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, when I say weak ass, you say bitch, weak ass, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> bitch <laughs> god we're dumb you're dumb yeah. just just a little bit <laughs> we're still the same it's, nothing changes yep 2021 like same we said thing. last week level two mm-hmm. <laughs> level two go in like a lamb come out like a lion i think we're gonna come roaring in like a lion actually <laughs> sweet Sweet. Great. Awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, totally, totally freak me out. I mean, right I mean, on. Right on. The Toro share number one. Uh, we watched Seven Brides for Seven Brothers on Christmas Eve. Nice. I really wanted to watch it. And I forgot how sexist some of the songs yeah. are in that movie. Bless your beautiful heart. wherever you may be. We ain't, we ain't met yet, but I'm going to bet you're, you're the gal for me. And then it's like pretty and trim, but kind of slim. Beautiful Heavenly eyes, but, but oh, that oh, size. That size. <laughs> Gotta be right to be the bride for, for me. me. Bless your beautiful What does he eyes. say about Millie when he sees her through the window? He says, uh, it's beautiful eyes and oh, that size. No. It, and then because he, he sees her like go to pour the soup and the guy like sasses and she just pours pours it on his lap and it's like yeah well i guess that's what you get because he's like beautiful eyes and perfect or oh that size and or like perfect size or something and then he goes in sassy as can be and just the right size yeah (laughs) and sassy as can be Oh, it's your beautiful, beautiful hide. She's the, the girl, girl for, for me. <laughs> it's such a good movie. It is, I love it. It uh, It's so good. I just was singing those songs at Christmas, too. So <laughs> I don't know why, but I think it's because there's a whole like 30 minutes where it's like snowed into the cabin, and that would be Clover. <laughs> I was she like, sounds, here? she sounds like a seal. it's weird okay anyway but bless your beautiful heart because she's the girl for me uh and then he feels bad because she's singing about how it's just them going to the house on the way there and he's like it's like to just cook for one man instead of a whole bunch and he's like about that i have six brothers yep (laughs) And uh, you're going to be the only girl there, so that's yeah. going to be kind of what's happening. <laughs> uh, and then they kidnap the women. <laughs> yeah, it's real fucked up. It's actually a really... And then and then it's it's like a perfect Stockholm movie, because then the girls all fall in love with the men. <laughs> By the spring, they're singing about the babies and the... Bride, ba- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
it doesn't hold up but i love it it does not hold up but i love it as well <laughs> you're right <laughs> oh lord any any what what happened to you while i was peeing um katie yelled at me because i didn't answer the phone you why are you stalking my life that's what i said <laughs> i'm like you're stalking my whole life what do you want and it, she doesn't want anything she just wants to talk to me god it sucks to be loved i'll call you when i can talk I'll call you when i'm done <laughs> there was an emergency how am i supposed to know when there's an emergency when you just want to talk and you call me four times because i don't answer the first time <laughs> exactly well that's when that you didn't answer on go ahead it just builds my anxiety because i'm i'm constantly in a state oh. of but what, if- what the fuck's wrong? <laughs> Why are you calling me for nothing? Time? Nothing. Or my mom will text me, call me. What does that mean? <laughs> I- and then she's like, oh, I was just wondering what you want for dinner. And it's like, you couldn't just ask me that? Couldn't you have just texted me, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> and I could have said, I don't care. I'm rib. <laughs> I could have said, I don't care. Just make something or I'll make something when I get home. Don't worry about me. I got this. Or the sassy answer, food. <laughs> <laughs> So now my, my dad's out always my dad's answer wings and beans and bug juice chicken wings beans and fruit punch mm. that was always his answer wings and beans and bug juice and i'm like that's i don't want that what is that i don't Ooh. want it Ugh. well anyway you want to tell a story we didn't even open the episode yet sure we did no we didn't <laughs> where are we who is this <laughs> um this is i'm sorry what the podcast and i'm pretty sure we, we're gonna leave that all <laughs> i'm i'm in iowa and you're in minnesota and i'm amanda and, and amanda Christina. forgot to start the episode so and it's, and it's episode we're about 93 we're about seven or eight minutes in so hope you know what you're listening to <laughs> i started i started the banter before i started the episode yes so, <laughs> so uh should i start my story <laughs> yeah sure i mean now they know it's episode 93 this is I'm sorry with the podcast. We're both located in the same place we've been located and uh our names didn't change, so good. I'm Fanny, that's Nancy. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Where is it? Oh, there bar she blows. <laughs> well, where is it? I'm gonna tell you about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Tuskegee? Tuskegee. Tuskegee. Okay. This experiment was a highly unethical. I'm just going to repeat that. Highly unethical study conducted between 1932 and 1972. Oh, so we're talking like relatively recent future, recent history. It was 40 years. It lasted 40 years. By the United States Public Health Service and the Center for Disease Control, CDC. Uh, The purpose of the study was to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis in African-American males. That's specifically what they wanted to know? Mm Mm-hmm. Why was that so important? At at 1932, they did not have a treatment for syphilis. But what they, oh, I mean, they did, but it was not penicillin. I guess. Um, And it was, I'll get there. I'll get there. It was considered bad blood. That was the, another way they referred to syphilis. 
Okay. And it was believed to be very highly rampant in the African-American community and spread more easily by African-American men. So that's kind of because they were racist assholes. Okay. I was like, but why? Oh, just because they were racist. Great. Yeah. Yep. Like the beginning of any story before the 30s. Mm-hmm. Just full of racist assholes. Ass. I mean, before asshole. the 50s. Yeah. Before, you know, mean 2020. Okay. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> It's not funny. Uh, the men were told that they were receiving free health care from the federal government. Of course they did. So in 1928, there was a study. This We're going to take it back before the thir- this study started. So in 1928, there was a study called the Oslo Study of Untreated Syphilis. Okay. And it was a, uh, a study done on several hundred white men. But this study was what's called a retrospective study so it was men who uh basically they the scientists pieced together information from how the like disease progressed on patients who had already contracted syphilis and remained untreated so like they weren't a part of the study they didn't sign up for it it was just like hey you had syphilis and it went untreated for a number of years let me discuss all your symptoms with you it wasn't like they intentionally did not treat these men Okay, so it was it was more of just a not best word reactive. In it's retrospective. So retrospective. There you go. That's the word. These men maybe already have been given their treatments and everything, but now we're going to go back and go. Okay, what? When did you first get it? What were your symptoms as it progressed? Let's find your timeline. Yes. Um. The U.S. Public Health Service decided to take the data from the Oslo study. And build on that um, at a, as a syphilis study at Tuskegee University, which was primarily for African-American men. Uh, and the group decided to build it on it. So they began a six-month, which was supposed to be a six-month a six descriptive epidemiolo- epidemiological study Ooh. at the range of pathology that, like, associated in syphilis. So, like, how it progressed progressed um in macon county alabama so basically in the macon county alabama population okay the researchers involved in the study reasoned that they were not harming the men involved in the study under the presumption that they were unlikely to ever receive treatment anyway because it wasn't like healthcare for african-american people was not widely around in that area yeah i'm telling you it's just fucking but they, assholes. But is this is this the group that like gave them syphilis? They didn't give any of them syphilis. Okay. They just did not treat them with syphilis. I was I was just thinking that that on top of not like being willing to treat it was like are you kidding me? They wouldn't have had it if it wasn't for you, you fuckface. Yeah, no. This that's a misconceived notion of the Tuskegee experiment. They weren't given syphilis. They already had it. They you just told them that they were them. being treated for it. Mm. And we're giving them placebos. To see how it progressed. progressed. Okay. Okay. Uh, at the time, it was believed that the effects of syphilis depended on the race of those affected as well. So physicians believe that syphilis had more pronounced af- effect on African Americans' cardiovascular systems than on their central nervous systems. So it affected their heart more than their brain. Mm-hmm. So that's also why they were doing part of the study, to see if it affected them differently than white people. Okay. In this study, 
they en- enrolled a total of 600 impoverished African-American men. Of these, 399 had latent syphilis with a control group of 201 men who were not infected. So they were the, we don't have syphilis mm-hmm. group. Um, as an incentive for participation in the study, the men were promised free medical care, but were never informed, but they never informed the subjects of their diagnosis. So they never told them they actually had syphilis. Okay. Um, despite the risk of infecting others and the fact that the disease could lead to blindness, deafness, mental illness, heart disease, bone deterioration, collapse of the central nervous system, and death. It basically turns your brain to mush the longer it goes untreated. Mm-hmm. Hashtag just, Al Capone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just always think of Al Capone because he's like the most famous mental deterioration. Oh, from God. Sickness. He dude went straight up Looney Tunes. Well, and it's the same thing for like pirates and why mm-hmm. they went so stir crazy and whatever. They yep. gave each other syphilis because they were butt fucking the whole time and uh, everybody would just go nuts and kill anybody they came in contact with and Mm -hmm. then die yes so instead the men were told that they were being treated for bad blood in quotation marks which was basically a colloquialism used for any kind of blood disease that they didn't really have a cure for or know what it was so fatigue Mm. anemia syphilis was considered bad blood okay um, the collection of illnesses for that term for bad blood included was a leading cause of death within the South African American community. So that's, that's basically a lot of their deaths were due to sexually transmitted diseases at this time mm-hmm. or anemia or fatigue or any other kind of blood illness that they didn't have a cure for or know really what it was. They just called it bad blood. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if that, that just seems, sounds racist to me too. Well, they yeah. died. They're African-American. They probably had bad blood was yeah. basically kind of the cause of death. Okay. Uh, when the study started, major medical textbooks recommended that all syphilis be treated, even though there wasn't penicillin at this time when it started. It still said, hey, you should treat it with the, the treatments we kind of made. Have available. Yes as the consequences were quite severe. Uh, At the time, treatment included treatment with arsenic-based compounds. So, I mean, they were treating it with arsenic, but they were treating it. You got ghosts in your blood. You got got ghosts (laughs) in your blood. Here's some cocaine. Uh, Initially, the men were supposed to be studied for six to eight months and then treated with contemporary methods, including the different treatments. Mm -hmm. Uh, these were all mildly effective but highly toxic treatments were provided only to quell any suspicion of the part of the participants so they they would pick some and actually treat them to make it seem like because you know in an experiment you have a control a placebo group and people being treated so they would treat a small number of them to see the difference to make it show like they were actually treating them Mm -hmm. Additionally, men in the study were administered disguised placebos, ineffective methods, and diagnostic procedures, which were misrepresented as treatments for syphilis. Throughout the duration of the study, participants were never told the true purpose, which was to observe the natural course of untreated syphilis. Uh, Study clinicians could have chosen to treat all syphilitic subjects and close the study or split off a control group for testing with penicillin once penicillin was proven to work, but they did not. 
they never treated them with any of them with penicillin Mm -hmm. uh, because it was during this so-called because they didn't want to ruin the fucking science experiment basically it (laughs) it's treat like lab rats yeah that's that's what they were treated okay these racist fucks like it's just it's in the name of science but it's not it's your fucking asshole so instead they continued which it also pisses me off this was the cdc and yeah the ones that are telling us everything we're supposed to do about right yeah covid right now this is the history of the cdc guys just government agencies they can't be trusted i'm just saying just in case you were wondering this is how i feel about life all right anyway (laughs) instead they continued the study without treating any participants they withheld treatment and information about penicillin from the subjects in addition scientists prevented participants from accessing syphilis treatment programs available to other residents in the macon county area the researchers reasoned researchers reasoned that the knowledge gained would benefit humankind However, it was determined afterward that the doctors did harm the subjects by depriving them of appropriate treatment once it had been discovered, and the study was characterized as the longest non-therapeutic experiment on human beings in medical history. So a couple of other bullet points on this that are just like totally fucked up. To ensure that the men would show up for the possibility, like for these treatments uh, like some of them were painful diagnostic treatments like spinal trap taps that do nothing it doesn't treat them um, they were sent misleading email or emails misleading letters that saying this is your last chance for free medical treatment and things like that mm. um, so they published their first clinical data in 1934 and issued its first major report in 1936 This was prior to the discovery of penicillin as a safe and effective treatment for syphilis, but the study, it wasn't a secret. Like, people knew that this was going on in the government, in the healthcare fields, and nothing was ever done about it. During World War II, 256 of the infected subjects registered for the draft and were consequently diagnosed with having syphilis at military induction centers in order to obtain treatment for syphilis before they could be taken into armed services. But the public health service stepped in and said that they didn't, they were part of an experiment for, or they were part of an experiment and could not receive treatment. And so they told them not to allow them into the military service. So they, they couldn't, I, right. One of the notes, part of the note was the study doctor, Murray Smith, Stated, as these men may be excluded from the list of draftees needing treatment in order to make it possible to continue the study on an effective basis. Amanda's mad. I'm so annoyed right now. (laughs) Yes. By 1947, so 10 years after this started, and keep in mind, this went on for 40 years. Hey, there's 30 more years to come, ladies and gentlemen. By 47, penicillin had become the standard therapy for syphilis. It was proven to be the treatment that worked. Uh, The U.S. government sponsored several public health programs to form rapid treatment centers to eradicate the disease. But when they came to Macon County, study researchers prevented their subjects from participating, telling them... Not only are they not treating them, they are actively stopping them from getting treated by other sources. Correct. This is fucking stupid. All right. So in 1966, Peter Buxton, which was a public health services venereal disease investigator in San Francisco, 
sent a letter to the National Director of Division of Venereal Diseases expressing its con- his concern about the ethics and morality of this study. He's like, dude, this isn't right. Right. Uh, the CDC, which by then controlled the study, reaffirmed the need to continue the study until completion. Just saying. Which meant all... By the way, this, continuing the study until completion meant all patients were dead from mm-hmm. syphilis. Until they all die, whether it be... And had been autopsy. Syphilis and... Yeah. Oh. Yep. Okay. To, the CDC then received unequivocal support from the both the National Medical Association and the American Medical Association. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, guys, just when keep all these names in mind. <laughs> four when- years went by where he was like trying to get people to listen. He finally went to the press in the early 1970s. The story bro- broke first in the Washington Star on July 25th um, and then the New York Times and then it became the following day, Senator Edward Kennedy called the congressional hearings at which Buxton and officials testified that as a result of the public outcry, the CDC and the public health services appointed uh, an advisory panel to review the study. And the panel found that the men agreed to certain terms of the experiment such as examination and treatment. However, they were not informed of the study's actual purpose. The panel then determined that the study was medically unjustified and ordered its termination. So, God. 40 years later. (laughs) Well, and this guy's like, I'm trying to, like, get these people, treat them correctly, treat them correctly. No, you're not going to listen to me. I'm going to tell this person, oh, they are fine with it too. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I guess we're going to the media and the public masses are going to have to be the ones saying, obviously, this is wrong. So right oh my god okay so as part of this as part of this a class action lawsuit was filed by the NAACP uh, on behalf of the study participants and their descendants the U.S. government paid 10 million dollars which was the equivalent of about 52 million in today's money um, and agreed to provide the free medical treatment to surviving participants and surviving family members infected as a consequence of the study uh, congress created a commission of to write regulations to deter abuses from occurring in the future. Uh, And so by the end of the study in 1972, only 74 of the test subjects were still alive. Of the original 399, (laughs) 28 had died of syphilis, of syphilis itself, and 100 had died of related complications. 40 of their wives had been infected, and approximately 19 of their children were born with congenital syphilis. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1997, uh, there was a White House ceremony to um, honor the men that were, like, part of this experiment that were still alive. So there were five survivors. It was Charlie Pollard, Herman Shaw, Carter Howard, Fred Simmons, and Frederick Moss. The remaining three survivors had family members attend the ceremony and their names. The last man, Christopher Monroe, who was a participant in the study, died in 2004. Okay. Charlie Pollard, who was the grandson, oh, or who was one of the participants, I'm sorry, appealed to civil rights attorney Fred D. Gray, who also attended the White House ceremony for help when he learned the true nature of the study. He had been part of the one of the men who brought that class action lawsuit. So they were honored by the White House. Um, another participant of the study was Freddie Lee Tyson, who was a sharecropper who helped build the Moton Field where the legendary Tuskegee Airmen learned to fly during World War II. Okay. So aside from the uh, racial issue, Aspect, yeah. uh, one of the main goals that researchers 
claimed to want in the study wanted to accomplish was to determine the extent of which treatment for syphilis was necessary and at what point in the progression of the disease it should be treated. So like, do you catch it as soon as possible and it'll be healed right away or do you need to let it form before you treat it to make sure it's killed fully kind of thing, I guess. Okay. Uh, For this reason, the study emphasized observation of individuals with late, latent syphilis. However, despite their attempts to justify the study, uh, the study itself was not conducted in a way that was scientifically viable. No. So they're not, aside from the racial and not telling them about it, they didn't conduct the study correctly. So (laughs) it was like, it doesn't matter what your results are. We can't use it because it's not a viable study. It's just like, Mengele and his twin studies half of them weren't even exactly identical it's exactly so like that so like it what's the point it's just like studying siblings not twins right because participants were treated with mercury rubs injections of neurocephamine uh, and a bunch of other drugs that i don't know what they mean the study did not allow subjects whose syphilis was untreated however it does it didn't it like erupted it, it disrupted the treatment because they were they were treating them with other crap that could have killed them yep so it wasn't so, like they were being specifically untreated. They were being treated by other things that... So the entire experiment had to been compromised. Oh my God. <laughs> so the data they collected doesn't even matter. They can't use it. Oh my God. And even after knowing that, they continued the experiment. Like this wasn't something that they determined at the end. I want to go back in time and punch these people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds enjoyable right now. So I have a lot of pent up like I'm, I'm really I'm gonna, off right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> okay, that was aggressive. I I don't want to murder anybody. I mean, kind of do sometimes, but right. So, in regards to the racial aspect of this, the U.S. the Public Health Service cho- they chose Tuskegee specifically because it was mostly African American men. So, 100 percent of its participants were poor, rural African American men with very limited access to health information. The clinicians who led the study assumed that African Americans were particularly susceptible to venereal diseases because of their race, and they also assumed that the study's participants were not interested in receiving medical treatment because of their race. Uh, one of the quotes in the like study itself said, the rather low intelligence of the African-American population, depressed economic conditions, and the common promiscuous sex relations not only contribute to the spread of syphilis, but the prevailing indifference with which and with regards to treatment. In reality, the promise of medical treatment, usually reserved only for emergencies among the rural Black population of Macon County, Alabama, was what secured subjects' cooperation in the study. I am so grossed out right now by that yeah. quote. Mm-hmm. Are you? What? It, yeah, it's so fucked up. So, I, I'm so glad that my story is semi-uplifting. The other fucked up thing about this is Tuskegee was not the first unethical syphilis study. In 2010, Barack Obama and other federal officials apologized for another U.S.-sponsored experiment conducted decades earlier in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that study, from 1946 to 1948, nearly 700 men and women, prisoners, soldiers, mental patients, were intentionally infected with syphilis. Yep. Hundreds more were exposed to other sexually transmitted diseases as part of the study without their knowledge or consent. The purpose of that study was to determine whether penicillin could prevent, not just cure, syphilis infection. Some of those who became infected never received medical treatment. The result of the study, which took place in the, with the cooperation of the Guatemalan government officials, were never published. 
mm-hmm. and the American public health researcher in charge of the project, Dr. John Cutler, went on to become the lead researcher or in the Tuskegee experiment. I this is the one that I actually had heard of. Um the one at Guant- in Guatemala. Yeah. Okay. Um and that it's just got and it's it still fucking happens. I don't care what anybody says. They're still finding the little spaces where nobody's paying attention and mm-hmm. doing tests. The LSD test, the project paperclip, monarch fucking I was going oh, off the deep end. I mean, oh, going off the deep end. oh bitch, you don't even Alert. know alert (laughs) everybody just go back to the um franklin cover-up thing it just keeps happening and people put way too much trust into the government and they just keep taking advantage of it so so the reason this was discovered though was following cutler's death in 2003 there was a historian susan reverby uncovered the records of the guatemala experiments while doing research related to the tuskegee study otherwise it wasn't known Mm-hmm. And then she notified the U.S. government officials in 2010, 2010, 2010, and then they uh, issued a public apology for the STD study and talked to the Guatemalan government. But I don't understand because it says President Obama called the Guatemalan president to apologize for the experiments, but it was done with the knowledge of the Guatemalan government. So, but mm-hmm. either way, that is the Tuskegee syphilis experiment done right here in our shores by the cdc and the public health services yes enjoy that information right now during what we're doing (laughs) have fun what the fuck oh my god i'm so mad (laughs) i don't even know what to do with myself i know i was reading it i was like what the what the fuck what the what the fuck like it's not even the we're not going to treat you for syphilis it's the not only are we not going to treat you for it, but we're not even going to tell you you have it. So yeah. you can infect your wife and your children mm-hmm. born from your wife. Mm-hmm. And watch, we're going to choose. Go ahead. We're going to actively prevent you from getting treatment from anyone else for 40 mm-hmm. years, even mm-hmm. though we know it's not this. This isn't correct. There's a treatment, mm-hmm. there's a treatment that works. And we're going to continue on 20 years after that treatment's available. <laughs> And there's so many, like, you can just- And it's like, we're going to choose this specific town because of who lives there, their lack of being able to have communication with anybody else, mm-hmm. and the fact that they aren't necessarily in an economic state to be able to go someplace else and go to a doctor and yeah. find out what's actually wrong with them or get a it's, second opinion. It's so fucked up. It's not funny. I'm not laughing about- No, it's just so- and it's not even it's the crazy laughter of someone who's very pissed off like <laughs> right like are you kidding me it's the laughter of this is so crazy ridiculous that you wouldn't think it was real if it wasn't documented mhm like that's it's just so don't trust anybody 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 it's yeah wow interesting very good very good way to way to piss me off you're welcome I'm going to tell you about Elizabeth Schof. Elizabeth Schof lived in Lugoff, Pennsylvania, which was like a small town, about 7,400 people or so. Okay. Um, On September 6, 2006, the 14-year-old got off of the bus about 200 yards from her house. She was she was approached by a man who was dressed as a police officer, and he basically said that she was under arrest because of something to do with marijuana. She's like, I don't know exactly what he said, but he said something about marijuana, and I was like, uh, okay. Uh, so he 
handcuffed her hands behind her back and then had mentioned something when they started walking that she that he had already arrested her 12 year old brother okay and so then she's like what like someone saying that we're doing stuff whatever so she's like well i'll just go with him he's a police officer it'll all get straightened out and then i'll go home Mm -hmm. whatever but instead of going to a police car he just walked her straight into the woods (gasps) yeah Mm -hmm. um he walked around and like made weird turns and basically walked around enough to get her disoriented as to where they were Mm -hmm. and then walked into an area and opened up a hatch into the ground (gasps) that's so creepy uh yeah so this door went into a bunker that was about four feet wide and 20 feet long so it was like a really long narrow room Mm -hmm. um scooching like that um it almost wouldn't fit your own girth (laughs) my own girth uh (laughs) elizabeth knew by this point that this obviously wasn't a real police officer Uh, The man forced her into the bunker and swore that there were traps all around it and that the door was uh, rigged to explode if she tried to open it without him being able to do it. There was a chain attached to the ceiling of the bunker and he wrapped it around Elizabeth's neck and locked it with a padlock. (laughs) Yeah, gross. Um, Around this time is when Elizabeth's mother, Madeline, uh, called home to check on the kids because she was at work. So usually... What they do is they go straight home, go in, lock the door, do their homework until mom gets home. Mm-hmm. And she'll usually call right around when they're supposed to be getting in just yeah. to make sure they got there. And her brother, Danny, was the only one who was there at that time. And so mom got a sinking feeling that something was wrong because it was very unlike um, Elizabeth to not come home right away. Yeah. So she rushed home and called her. Well, she called her husband first and then she rushed home. Her, her husband's name's Don, just because if Don. I reference him, I say Don. Um, and Don came home early as well. As soon as she called in a panic, he was like, okay, well, I'll get there as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. And so then he came home too. The two parents called some family members to recruit, to kind of go look around and see if she maybe ended up at a friend's house, maybe whatever. They were in the town. So it was like, hey, do you want to come over and walk around with us and like talk to neighbors and stuff and see if we they saw her, whatever. Yeah. Um, once they knew they couldn't locate her and they had no more ideas of where she would be, that's when they called the sheriff's office because it's a small town, so they don't have a police department of their own, mm-hmm. so they had to call the county sheriff. The fir- At first, the sheriff's believed she probably willingly went someplace and just didn't come home right away because she's a 14-year-old girl. She probably went to a friend's house or whatever. Right. Um, maybe ran away. So they didn't, like, immediately mm-hmm. jump on it as if she was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also wouldn't do like an Amber report right away just because they didn't know what had happened, uh, which is dumb. Sheriffs did come out to search though. Anyway, even though they were like, she probably just ran away. They brought a canine and they couldn't find her scent anywhere on her walk home. Um, after the news came out that she was missing. Cause after that, they were kind of like, we're going to like take this a little more seriously. Right. Um, the community gathered together and they all went out searching, but they had no trace of where she went because she was literally just plucked off the road and brought mm-hmm. into the woods. And that was kind of where it was just very like, uh, we have no idea. Right. So, uh, so seven days after she had disappeared, um, Madeline, her mom got a text from a n- number she didn't know 
that said, hi, mom, I'm in a hole across from Charm Hill where the big trucks go in and out. There's a bomb. Call police. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Madeline called the police, obviously. Uh, They searched the area. They also traced the number and they found that it was to a Vincent Fillion. Okay. Filia, 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 not font. There's no end. Um, so that the next day they found out that's who it belonged to. He is a 36 year old fugitive, a uh, former construction worker who was wanted for the rape of his ex-girlfriend's 12 year old daughter. <gasps> um, so he also lived in the same neighborhood as the Shoves. The police knew who, where he was, who he was, and that he was wanted. But every time they came to his house, he was not home. They could not get a hold of him. he was living in a bunker in the ground. <laughs> um, so this text gave them enough to get a warrant for his house because it was just allegations at that point. There was no mm-hmm. like real physical evidence that he had raped her. Right. So they didn't have a warrant. Well, now that he got this, they got this message, they got a warrant for his house. And there was no sign of Elizabeth, but they found that he was evading capture and people coming to his house because he had dug a hole underneath his bed because his bed was right on the floor, like his bed frame mm. for his uh, box spring. Is this dude on the floor. bowl? Like, what yeah. the hell? Dude, just wait. So <laughs> he, he like had his box spring and he would just lift it up and jump underneath his little like trailer house deal that he had and then run out the back when anybody would come so they'd look in the windows no one was in there no one was in the house no one was happening he would be gone he'd just run straight into the woods behind his little house deal how weird is that ew mr mole mole person Mm-mm. it's kind of what i was thinking i'm like what is he, he has this thing for holes it's weird <laughs> Ew. So <laughs> just think about what you just said. He has a thing for holes. Okay. So the next Hashtag day. Gross. Agreed. <laughs> the next day was the ninth day that she was um imprisoned. And the sheriff's department did something that was a bit risky. I don't know that I would have been like gung-ho, you should do this, but whatever. They shared the information about the text and they said who they knew it came from, whose phone they knew it came from. So they said who, um, they, who it was and that this person reached out. So obviously Elizabeth's family had killed. Uh, yeah. Obviously her family was like, holy shit. They figured he would just kill her, that she was done at that point. Um, so on day 10, the woods behind the family's home was searched because they hadn't searched that since that's not necessarily where she thought she was. Mm-hmm. Um, when she sent the message, but they searched the woods behind the family's home and they heard a muffled voice of a girl. And soon enough, they followed it and found Elizabeth hiding <gasps> in the bunker. So she was rushed to the hospital and had no apparent injuries other than um, mentally. And obviously she had, she had emotionally been assaulted and yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but there was no like beating injuries. She hadn't mm-hmm. been hurt in any way in that sense um then she shared what happened in captivity with her family so philia stayed with her the entire 10 days that she was there Mm. he would watch the news on a battery powered tv again this like mole person life Mm -hmm. is what it makes me think of when you said that i was like that's exactly what i was thinking like a fucking (laughs) mole person (laughs) so he would watch for like updates on the case and everything 
he thought they were too well hidden to be found so he wasn't concerned that they were going to find him Mm -hmm. and her elizabeth said that she could hear the searchers when they had walked over the very first day Elizabeth even said that she could see the searchers when they were looking for her right away in the beginning. Um, She could see like the flashlight because they were looking during the evening. She could see the flashlights and the shadows and stuff too. uh, Though she couldn't really see a lot of like sunlight during the day. So she kind of got lost in how many days she had been gone. Um, Philia had a taser and told Elizabeth to stay quiet or he'd use it on her so she couldn't talk. Oh no. Um, so she stayed quiet. Elizabeth lost track of the days. Like I said, she couldn't really tell when it was day or night most of the time because it was barely any sort of light coming into the bunker. Um, Elizabeth was raped multiple times a day by him. A day? While she was being held. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, she pretended she, she pretended she was falling in love with Philia to gain his trust. Um, and sorry, I tried to read this and then I moved it and I didn't know where it was. So she pretended to be in falling in love with Philia to gain his trust. And it worked because the chain within a few days, she's guessing was removed from her neck in the bunker. Um, and she, he would even bring her out when it was like night and stuff for a few minutes at a time after a couple days of her, like acting like she, it was consenting and she was into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth also said that she would leave her hair on branches when they would go up to do like little walks and stretches for their couple minutes so that she was hoping that the um, searchers would find it and know that she was close. Oh, she's so smart. I know. Look at this so, brave little badass. I know, right? So when Philia fell asleep, she would try to take his send messages on his phone. She would take his phone from him, send messages to her friends and family, but they wouldn't go through because there was no service in his mobile service in the bunker. Exactly. So, um, Philia actually, what the fuck? I keep pressing a button and then it disappears. Sorry. Okay. Philia actually caught her one time when she was trying to send a message on his phone she's like oh i i was just trying to play a game you know i was i couldn't sleep and he oh. and he believed her because she had convinced him that she wanted to be there oh. um after three days of trying to use his phone because she had built up the courage mm-hmm. to grab it and use it it finally sent one through to her mom um and that's when she got that message uh, what would have been nine days of her imprisonment, they heard helicopters. So that ninth day when the cops came out and said, we got this text, mm-hmm. uh, they heard helicopters above, which prompted Philia to turn on his little battery-powered TV to see what was going on. Um, and he found out that the police officers were looking for him, but mm-hmm. rather than... He must have missed that it was through a text that he heard that they heard this. He just heard his name mm. um, because he asked Elizabeth what he should do. How should he do this? Should he what? What should he do? And she's like, 
I think you need to run away before they come and get you. I think you need to go. And so he did. He left that night. Like he packed up and he <sighs> took off and ran away. And so she was by herself. So what was the bomb? Did he just he, tell her? He said that there was just going to, it was going to explode if she opened it. It didn't oh, okay. actually explode. Um, so Elizabeth began yelling for help. Mm-hmm. from the bunker once he was gone and she knew he was far enough away that he probably wouldn't hear her. Um, Vincent Filia was arrested that same day while trying to hide in a ditch, again, with the hiding in a ditch hole of some <laughs> sort, five miles away from where he was keeping Elizabeth. Uh, he was charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct and kidnapping in September 2007. I, he was also charged with a bunch of others, like minor, mm-hmm. more minor things, but... They basically threw everything they could at him. Exactly. Because in 2007, he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 420 years in prison Fuck with no yeah. possibility of parole. Fucking moles don't live that long, motherfucker. I wrote, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Got uh, you, bitch. Right. After this, Elizabeth mostly just stayed out of the spotlight and would do like low key safe, like safety activism for mm-hmm. kids. Like, hey, reminder: be aware of your surroundings. Don't be distracted yeah. by whatever you're doing, whatever it may be. But otherwise, she kind of just like tried to go back into a normal life and be low key and not be in the spotlight. So she she got saved, and she was a smart badass girl. And I love and I love the story. That's a good. That's good. It was very yeah. uplifting compared to mine. Yes. Yes. I was like, I need it after that. <laughs> it was a terrible story. But yeah. You did good. Yay, Elizabeth. Yay, Elizabeth. Oh, this was a very like, I feel like this episode went real fast to record. Yeah, other than my fucking dogs be a dicks. <laughs> we done good. Yay. High five. Hi. High five. Yay. Lovely. Oh, did you just pet me? I did. I did a little like, my hand looks so big. Okay. We're just playing with the camera at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. guys. Thanks for listening. You're the best. Um, follow our social meds on uh, the Facebook and the Instagram ISW the podcast like rate review on whatever you're listening to I submitted it to a bunch of other stuff so we're on like I don't even remember there was like seven of them <laughs> I was just like put it on there put it on there put it do on it. there do it just do it do it so mm-hmm. well and they update things and then it's like oh cool that's available now great spread the word Spread your sails. All over town. So, that, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to go with like something super creative all over. I, creation. Creation. Tarnation. On top of the world looking down, down on creation. <laughs> and the only explanation I can find is syphilis. well that's (laughs) way to bring it back down nielsen bye guys bye